0: Financial institutions spend a lot of time and resources preparing themselves for absolutely everything. But sometimes a crisis happens that goes beyond the best laid plans.
1: We're talking data breaches, employee misconduct, financial fraud, natural disasters. The list goes on. But because of consumer expectations and vast regulatory guidelines, financial institutions face extra scrutiny in the face of a crisis.
0: So we asked a crisis management professional, what's the first thing an organization should do when a crisis happens?
1: First thing I will need to do, of course, is to collect
2: as many of the facts as I can.
0: I'm Laura Sewell. I'm Andy Goldstein. And you're listening to FinTech Focus from CSI.
1: Our guest this week is an experienced crisis management professional who manages and leads strategic public relations plans for companies operating in the financial services industry.
0: We're pleased to welcome David Jones, Vice President at William Mills Agency, to FinTech Focus. David, thanks for coming on the show. It's
2: my pleasure. Well,
0: let's just launch right into it. What should every organization put into place before a crisis occurs? Well, the
2: thing every organization should put into place is a solid plan for how to communicate and handle that crisis. A crisis can cover any kind of scenario from natural disasters to a data breach to a misguided or failed product launch to a customer service issue. Before any of these happen, the company should be aware of the steps that they want to take to address the situation, communicate about the situation, and how to resolve the
0: situation. What are some of the steps you recommend for developing that crisis response plan beforehand?
2: Well, the first step any company should take is really start to brainstorm what are the potential crises that could affect you. Every organization is going to face a crisis at some point in its existence. Now, not all crises are created equally. Some of them might be fairly minor in scope. They may affect only a small handful of customers, or they may impact only a small part of the organization. But some could have the potential to become huge if you think of things such as the Target breach or the BP oil leak or the Wells Fargo fake account opening scandals. Those are all things that could have been handled much better, not just from a communication standpoint, but also from what the company did internally in response to the crisis.
0: Do you think it's (laughs) likely that those huge organizations did not have a proper crisis response plan in place then?
2: It's possible that they had a plan, but what is more likely is that the plan had never been practiced or was not practiced regularly, or when the crisis occurred, they didn't follow the plan um, because most large organizations, and a lot of smaller ones as well, have plans in place. And we all know that sometimes it's easy to make a plan and put it on a bookcase or store it in a file somewhere and never look at it again and forget it's there. So in addition to creating a plan, you know every company really should look at practicing, running through training on how to respond to a crisis should it occur.
1: Do you have best practices or methods that you recommend for testing the plan?
2: Really, when it comes to putting together a plan, I think a company should test the plan at least once a year, if not more often. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to simulate an entire crisis. It could be as simple as doing a workshop of walking through the steps with the people involved, making sure the frontline customers know what to say and do in the event of a crisis. But it should be tested and it should be put through its paces at least once a year, if not more often. This does a couple things. One, it helps you become more comfortable. It's just like um, in any sport, when you train the same movements over and over again, they become habits. So in a company, if you train how to respond to a crisis, people don't panic as often when they do occur. Uh, The other thing it does is it can help possibly find where there might be gaps or holes in the crisis response plan. So if you're running to the practice and you realize, oh, we don't have anything in here to address social media fallout, or for banks, if we don't have anything in here to address how do we deal with the regulators if we have to contact them about something – Those are the times you want to find that out. Then when things aren't in trouble, then in the heat of the fire.
1: I'm curious, do crisis plans change depending on the type of crisis an organization is dealing with? Like, is there a a plan for natural disasters versus uh, a plan for data breaches?
2: Yes and no. So the foundation of any crisis plan is usually pretty consistent. It starts starts with simply as you identifying the crisis, assigning a crisis response team, knowing who the spokespeople are. determining, you know, what steps to be taken and how quickly, what channels you want to use. Where things are very different, though, is in the details. So you're right. A natural disaster crisis response plan is really going to be geared towards um, communicating with customers that their safety is important, that you are trying to do everything you can to restore access to financial services so they can handle the things that are going on in their lives. The communication is very different. Everyone is in the situation together. People aren't necessarily going to blame the bank because a hurricane has come through and knocked out service to an ATM network. But what they do want to know is, what are you doing to get things back up and running? Are you being open and clear about how fast things are going? Do you have a plan in place to help me access my finances as I try to come back in and rebuild? On the flip side, something that some people might consider self-inflicted, such as the Wells Fargo situation where they were caught with, Countless people opening fake accounts as part of, you know, trying to meet sales incentives. That's a situation where people are going to blame the bank if it's not handled appropriately.
0: David, are crisis response plans similar across industries, or are there particular steps that are specific to the financial industry?
2: In a lot of ways, they are very similar across industries. You know, no matter what industry you're in, you're going to need to be able to respond quickly. You're going to be able to communicate to your customers. You need to be able to rectify the situation, take steps to make sure it doesn't happen again. Where banking can be a little bit unique is that banks have a regulatory structure that sometimes requires an extra set of communication. So you have to consider the regulators or the banking authorities as part of the audience that you're going to communicate to. Uh, a great example would be a data breach. There are certain rules in place that if you've detected a data breach and it's affected your customer base, there's certain timelines of when you have to communicate that to the customer, what steps you have to take to make sure that their private information is protected. And the regulators can get involved and potentially look at your data security plans. They might, you know, assess fines or recommendations or guidances about the steps that were taken prior to the data breach or how you handled it afterward. Then banks have to deal with a variety of state and federal guidelines To determine, you know, when a breach meets those standards of notification and what steps to take, so banks should be aware of all the different organizations that might be interested and need to be communicated with in a crisis.
0: You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're talking with David Jones, a seasoned crisis management professional, on the best ways for an organization to manage a crisis.
1: Let's walk through a scenario. Let's let's say, um, you know, community bank realizes that there has been a breach. Is is there a way that you could walk us through that scenario to illustrate how this community bank should handle the crisis properly and then maybe talk about some of the things that they shouldn't do or avoid?
2: Absolutely. So we'll use the data breach as an example. This could apply to almost any major crisis. And the first thing to remember is that a crisis demands a very quick response. Um, One of the things that got Target in trouble when they had their data breach was that they sat on it, and even more so than Target was the Equifax breach. They sat on it for a long time, talking about the case is months, and so people got very upset when did, the news did come out that they had known about this for months and didn't do anything about it, or at least it didn't appear that they had done anything about it. So let's say a bank has had a data breach. First thing they will need to do, of course, is to collect as many of the facts as they can, collect and verify the facts. So they know what the scope of the situation is. If necessary, get in touch with their... Um, regulatory agencies, because that might have an impact on how they communicate. But more than that, once they've kind of gathered the facts as quickly as they can, they need to respond uh, fast. And this is a chance for the executive team and the management to frame the narrative, to find what is known, what is being done, and when to expect an update. Most people realize that in the opening moments of a crisis, you won't know everything. You may not know exactly how many accounts have been breached. You may not know if there has been any uh, credit card number stolen or any personable identifiable information stolen. But what you can do is verify what is known, what you're doing to stop it and to prevent it in the future. And if necessary, what you're doing to compensate any victims for losses that may occur.
1: It sounds like it is at least better to, address the media, address the public that there, there has been an incident. You may not know all the details yet, but at least to come out and say, acknowledge that it happened and that you're working on it rather than doing all of the work and staying quiet and then coming out months later and saying, okay, here's what happened. Here's what we know.
2: Correct. And, and, and sometimes you, you know, there are variations on the timing. Sometimes it may, you may have to wait a little bit because of uh, a law enforcement um, case where they are investigating and they told you not to say anything. But most of the time, if it's about to go public, it is always better for the company to be in front of a story than to have someone else frame it for them. The second thing to also focus on is to remember that you should always focus on the needs of your customers and the needs of the audience that you're communicating with. Nobody wants to hear a company cast blame or dodge responsibility, even if it may not have been 100% their fault. Um, A great example is when the BP oil leak happened, you know this was a situation that there's honestly nothing a company can do to make people happy about what has happened. You know, lives were lost; there was a huge environmental impact. But there are things that you can say that could make the situation even worse. And the BP CEO absolutely did that. A couple months into the crisis, he went on the air with an interview, and he told the national media that no one wants this situation to be over more than i do i'd like my life back and that tone of i don't care about how this has impacted you i just want my life back completely erased any goodwill that bp might have been starting to make over the course of those first couple of weeks of the crisis because we know that it's a bad situation even if it's not your fault target did a great job of this even though they were the victims of a breach they were the victims of someone committing a crime against them they said here's what we did wrong. We should have had a different security system in place. Here's what we're going to do to make it better. People are still upset, but in the long run, Target has done just fine because they said, okay, we had a problem with our security. Here's what we're doing. We're changing our point of sale terminals. We're patching up our cybersecurity. We'll refund you know, losses if necessary. They took those steps so that people knew that they were the most important thing to them, not the company just looking out for its own skin.
0: So David, you, you did mention coming out with the information to the public quickly. I realize the timeframes might vary based on the crisis on the company, but is there a a general timeframe that we could define quickly?
2: Um, A lot of it will depend on the crisis. Generally speaking, Today's world moves at twenty four seven speed. Social media means that something can happen at night and take off and be huge news within a couple of hours. That's an that,
1: that's an interesting point. Has has social media completely changed the crisis management game? Have you had to sort of change standards or best practices based on how quickly the public gets their information?
2: It has. Um, and the thing social media has done is it's introduced a new channel that banks, and really any company has to be aware of. Um, before social media, you know, uh, when a crisis occurred, a company could reach out to the press. They could put a statement on their website. They could put out a video with the local news media, and people would get that information. But now if there's a crisis, especially if it's one involving uh, a bad customer experience or a poor product experience, they're not going to go to the website of the company to see what the response is. They're going to go online, and they're going to complain. And if they go online and they complain, especially if they're complaining directly to that company's social media channel, they expect a response. So, as part of a crisis communications plan, a bank has to be aware of their social media networks, and not just the big one like Facebook. Think about Twitter. Or if they have an Instagram account, they need to be able to respond in all of those channels to the crisis. Either by put, you know, if they if it's something where there are individual complaints and they have the capacity to respond individually, that's an ideal situation. But we know, especially with smaller banks, they may not have the staff to do that. So if nothing else, they need to be keeping the social media channels updated with the the most recent updates to the crisis. It needs to be pinned at the top. It needs to be well seen and easy to find so that people can see their response, even if they can't create a personalized message to every single person. Having transparency and open communication really can alleviate a lot of fear and anxiety, especially when people are trying to figure out, how do I get my money? How do I make sure that my paycheck still went through if something happened on payday.
0: After a break, we'll ask David how a poor crisis response can negatively affect a financial institution. You're listening to FinTech Focus from CSI. According to a recent study from Oracle, 81% of consumers are using digital channels to engage with their bank, and 69% of respondents said they want their entire financial life cycle on digital channels. If you want to attract customers who will stay with your institution for life, you need to give them seamless, core integrated digital banking download our free digital banking ebook at csiweb.com/omnichannel to learn how an integrated digital banking platform can boost cross-sales, reduce costs, and increase customer loyalty. That's csiweb.com/omnichannel. David, what are some of the ways that a poor crisis response can affect a company?
2: A poor crisis response can really impact a company in a lot of ways. In addition to just losing brand reputation and having kind of a a public shaming uh, around them, investors can lose confidence. If it's a publicly traded company, the stock price can plummet. There could be potential uh, legal actions that result from a crisis if uh, people felt like it wasn't handled appropriately. Um, There could be regulatory issues involving um, Congress. Look at the Wells Fargo situation in that one the CEO was called before Congress to explain about the account situation, and that was really the first time that he acknowledged and apologized for the role. Up until that point, it had just been handled as, oh, well, this is just something that's kind of happening with a few folks. It's not a big deal. We'll take care of it. But when he got pulled before Congress, that was a huge deal, and the bank took a huge hit. It could be loss of revenue, loss of customers, loss of reputation, uh, loss of investment, and potentially even legal actions or lawsuits.
1: So, David, on the flip side, how can a properly handled crisis actually help a company in the eyes of the public and uh, its stakeholders?
2: Handling a crisis properly can actually benefit a company in the long run. Obviously, a crisis is never good. And in the short term, there may be hits to revenue or hits to customer confidence. But a company that is transparent, that is in front of the issue, that takes leadership on the issue, It can actually bolster its brand in the long run. Um, People will have more confidence that the company is going to run, that they know how to handle their business, that they have their customer's best interest at heart. People are very forgiving of mistakes if the mistake is handled in an appropriate way. What they're not forgiving of is a company that bungles its way through, blames someone else, and never takes responsibility for something that happens. So handling the crisis appropriately can really have huge benefits to a company, especially in the long term. You asked earlier about timeframes, and a great example of a company that uh, handled timeframes appropriately was um, HSBC a few years ago. Their ATM network was hit with an outage um, overnight. And of course, people are upset. They wake up in the morning, they can't get their money out of their ATM. And this was really just affected just their ATMs. Um, but what they did was they took immediate action. They went to Twitter and all their social media channels immediately. They explained the situation, they said, we apologize, we've had an outage, we understand that this is frustrating. And the statements all came from the senior members of their staff, and they teamed up with journalists to get that message out as well. They didn't just try to handle the situation, they let it, and they said, look, we know this has gone down, we apologize for the inconvenience. Um, they got that message out within hours of finding out about the outage, but when people woke up in the morning, they said, oh, my ATMs are down, I might need to go into the branch, I might need to write a check. Um, and then they kept people updated, okay, we've got everything back up, you should be good to go, thank you for your patience. I think the biggest thing financial institutions need to keep in mind is just just like they do planning for business continuity or just like they do planning for cybersecurity, include crisis communications as part of that. The more you plan ahead of time for any possible scenario, the more you train it and make it part of your regular practice of how to handle situations that may not be day-to-day situations. The better prepared you are when it happens, the less likely people will be to panic and the more likely people will be able to respond quickly and appropriately.
0: David, thanks so much for coming on the show. You've given uh, invaluable information to, to us and, and hopefully to our listeners. So we greatly appreciate your coming on FinTech Focus.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: That's it for this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Thanks again to David Jones for joining us today, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you'd like to learn more from David and his team, head over to williammills.com and check out some of the agency's helpful articles on crisis communication and planning.
1: You can subscribe to FinTech Focus on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like the show, or even if you don't, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear from you. For previous episodes of FinTech Focus, and to learn more about CSI, visit csiweb.com. We'll see you next time.